0: Parents don't cause this problem, right? But parents can be part of the solution. And one of the solutions that I talk to parents about is making things slightly less comfortable. I'm not, I'm not the kind of tough love parent that says, or psychologist that says, kick them out, you know? Because if they're stuck, they're probably stuck for a reason.
1: This is Mom Squad Pod, your weekly update on tips, tricks, and all things parenting with Maureen Kyle. Hi everyone! Thanks so much for joining us on the Mom Squad Pod podcast, where we talk all things parenting. And today's topic is one that a lot of families go through. I remember going through it when I was a twenty-something, but it's that struggle to find independence for older kids, and when you're trying to get them launched into independence and find their own way in the world. Joining me to talk about this is Dr. Lucene Wisniewski, who is the clinical director at the Center for Evidence-Based Treatment. Lucine, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to be here.
1: And you are in, I, I don't know about your children, I just know that they are of this age group. So, so you can speak not only professionally, but personally to this topic, correct? Absolutely. You know, I, over the course of my career, you know, I have a
0: different specialty Um, I tend, I, before I was working with young adults, I was working them with specifically around eating disorders. Mm -hmm. Um, but as my kids get older, you know, I find that every phase that my kids go through, I tend to become really interested in what's happening with them and with their peers. And because of, I think just living in a community with, I've got three kids, my kids have friends, um, you know, the parents come to me with questions. And so this question about 20-somethings, my kids, my youngest is 19, my oldest is 24. But this question about, you know, how do you help launch kids who are um, struggling? And I think COVID has made things so much more complicated as well. Um, it's been, you know, both in my personal life and in my professional life, I feel like it. it these questions have been coming up almost everywhere. But so thanks
1: for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk about this, because I feel like even though I'm in the phase of of more like toddler, um, it's something we will all face it one day, no matter how old your kids are, maybe, you know, parents who are prepping their kids for college might want to start thinking about this. Um, And and you bring up a great point is that COVID, I feel like we went through um, the mini recession, then we have COVID, where there were a lot of excuses lately in the headlines of, well, there's no jobs out there, or well, now businesses are laying people off, or or they can't bring people in because of COVID. And and I keep hearing different companies. I know here at WKYC, we we couldn't have interns during COVID. um, And a lot of things went virtual. So I know that college-age kids have been struggling for years now to find those opportunities. Do you think that that's the main reason, or are there personality traits that lead to maybe a child sticking at home a little bit longer than they should? Yeah. You know, as
0: in anything in psychology, it's never one answer. You have to, if you become a psychologist, you have to get really comfortable with the notion of multiple factors influencing why things happen. And I think that COVID certainly has made things more complicated. I think that kids who were, I, you know, again, even with my own kids, one of my kids had an internship set at the Cleveland Clinic, the first summer of COVID, and then poof, that was gone because no in-person. I have another kid who works, does computer work, that all went remote, and so you've got a um, a lack of opportunity, but also an isolation that has happened for kids when you're leaving college. And in college, you have ready-made groups of friends. And when you graduate college, it's the first time that you have to go out and meet people that are not related to school. And that got shut down in a big way. And so, if you had, if you were living in a place where you know you weren't sure about how people how people manage their vaccination status, or you were new to the area, um, or you moved home and haven't been home in a long time, all of those reasons I think made things a lot more tenuous. And if you have a kid who's prone to anxiety or worry, I think it kind of compounded it. So it's not just COVID. It's the combination of COVID and personality factors.
1: So how how can you tell if your child, your adult child, basically is going through these feelings and these concerns?
0: Well, I think that there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of behavioral indicators. So if you've got kids that are not moving forward on making decisions, who are dragging their feet, who are perhaps sleeping until two in the afternoon on the daily, um, who are, you know, ornery when you ask them about what their plans are. Those can be signs that there's more going on here than just a pause after they've, you know, finished college, and they're trying to get things together. To me, there's, you know, with kids, because things change so dynamically, you know, how a kid is this week may be different than how a kid is next week. And then hope, hopefully, even how a kid might, if a kid is struggling today, they might be okay tomorrow. It's chronicity that it's me as the indicator that you want to check to see if there's something else going on. It's lasting longer than a couple weeks, then you might want to
1: wonder, is there something else happening? So how do you have that conversation? What do you, how do you even broach that subject with your 20 something?
0: Yeah. The first thing I I would suggest is you don't do it when they're in a grumpy mood, you know, like when you can see that they're struggling is not the time to have the conversation. Because first of all, I think that as parents, and maybe I'm talking myself more than parents in general but we can get get irritated like again really um but that's not the time to have the conversation because you have to remember your kid does not want to be stuck your kid does not want to be not moving forward if they're not probably something is happening so you want to have that conversation when things are lighter. So it's not, so I would maybe when you're driving in the car and, or you're doing an activity together or things seem a little bit better that I would tread lightly, but I would tread. I mean, one of the things that I see happen with parents is they, they tend to vacillate on one end or the other. We say nothing. We don't bring it up. We figure they're going to figure it out. Or then they get angry and they sort of have a you know, sort of very intense conversation. I think that the approach is somewhere in the middle. Hey, buddy, like wondering what, you know, what's happening? I've noticed this and this, like, can you tell me a little bit about what you're thinking about your next steps? Um, But not like, what, what are you doing? When are you leaving? What's happening? And on the other end, not saying anything at all.
1: When I, I can just imagine this conversation happening, where if a parent is saying, "Hey, what are you doing to try and get a job?" and then a child, or you know, just recent graduate saying, "Well, there's no jobs out there, Mom. There's there's no jobs out there, Dad. I'm trying, but um, is there like at what point do you believe them, and at what point do you call their bluff? Like, I, I mean, is there is there another sign that it isn't just job applications going through? Do you have them involve you in the job application process? Or is that too hands-on for a child that age? Right. And, you know, this is, I think, where
0: parents really get stuck. And when they get stuck regularly, I'd say that's when you need a professional to help you. But in general, if you ask your kid and they say there's no jobs out there, I mean... Uh, you know, there might be, it depends on what kind of job we're looking for. There are definitely jobs out there and you can find support for that statement to show your kid, but I would maybe step back and be curious rather than be judgmental. You know, huh, that's really interesting. Tell me where you're looking for your jobs. Huh? That's really interesting. I saw this thing on the news the other day that there's lots of jobs in Northeast Ohio. I don't, I don't, How do we resolve that information so that we're curious rather than, and we don't get put off by those kinds of statements when we have experience or information that might suggest that what they're telling you isn't 100% of the story.
1: How does this affect parents as, I mean, as you're struggling along with your child or going through these emotions with your child, how do parents um, sense their own uh, anxiety or, or their own struggles that they feel for their children.
0: You know, I think that it's really hard for parents. I think parents end up feeling a lot of shame, you know, like, what did I do wrong? Um, they don't. And, and one of the things as I was prepping for this and thinking about it, one of the recommendations I might have is that you. Talk to your friends, talk to your talk to your colleagues because I think it's more common than you realize, but I think you know, you get your kid through high school and you feel like they're in college and I'm nearly done, and then you find out, oof, they, they still need my help. And I think that parents can turn inward rather than tur- you know, turn towards support and conversation. And I think that if you can do that, that really can help you feel less isolated as a parent. Because I don't really care how old your kid is, you know, you're still a parent. You're still they're still your child, and you'll probably still be feeling uh, worried, concerned, um, you know, sad about what their trajectory is if things are not quite going well enough. And I think that you know, parents still, unfortunately or fortunately, I think that you know, I, th- I was thinking about this also when I think that when I was a kid. So I'm in my 50s. When I was a kid, I don't know that parents did this. We weren't as close to our parents. We didn't talk to them as friends or as colleagues nearly as much. You were the kid and they were the parent. And there were there were pros and cons of that model. And I think we're closer with our kids. So we know more. There's that damn phone and they're calling you all the time and they're telling you all kinds of things, which has a lot of pluses. Like, I think I'm probably closer with my kids than I was with my own parents just because of the generational stuff. But then we worry more. We know more. We know when things are going, when things are hard. And sometimes we need support ourselves to know, like, is this normal? Is this not normal? So talking to your friends and then if you if you feel like you can't do that, talking to a professional, I think, can also be helpful
1: do you ever run into situations where I know we talked about anxiety and especially with COVID being around and and teens and and 20 somethings, maybe having that fear and anxiety of getting into the workplace. But what about just even the, I don't even know if it's an anxiety, but, but the fear of leaving that comfort. You mentioned how close we are now to our kids and how kids are close to their parents. And I'm sure if mom's and dads are cooking and, and doing laundry and, uh, you know, there's just, there's a comfort, um, and the, uh, not the, the, the big need to have as many responsibilities. I mean, it's easy to, to stay home and have somebody do a lot of the work for you and, and no. not have to fully adult on, on a regular basis. Do you see that when it comes to families and then how do you overcome it? Oh,
0: absolutely. And, and one of the things that, you know, I don't, I'm not a big believer in uh, <laughs> maybe because I'm a parent, parents don't cause this problem, right? But parents can be a part of the solution. And one of the solutions that I, that I talk to parents about is making things slightly less comfortable. I'm not, I'm not the kind of tough love parent that says, or psychologist that says, kick them out, you know, because if they're stuck, they're probably stuck for a reason, but you can start to, um, because I think that your question is right on the money. You know, I'm pretty comfortable. I have a roof over my head. I'm not paying rent. Food is there in the refrigerator. When I wake up, um, I barely have any chores. My mother does my laundry. All of those things make for, um, it makes it less motivating, I think, for a kid to want, if you have a kind of kid, some kids are just, you know, they're like, I don't want that, and I'm out. But those are not the kids we're talking about. The kids we're talking about tend to feel comfortable in that environment, and our job is to make them slightly more uncomfortable. So, So, for example, one of the things that we recommend is charging rent. We recommend a certain number of hours a week that you have to work. We recommend... Um, you do your own laundry. Um, Certainly, you know, if there's going to be a family meal, I'm not going to exclude the kid from the family meal, but maybe you have chores. Maybe you make a meal one day a week. Maybe you, you know, have responsibilities like you did when you were in high school, because guess what? If you're going to live in this family, that's how families work. Um, It's more of a community. So not letting them off the hook, for the, the sort of running of the house will make them think, well, if I have to, for example, if I have to pay rent here, well, I guess I could pay rent somewhere else and be living with friends rather than with my parents. So it's, it's that making
1: them less comfortable. I think you're right on. So funny because when I just was talking to my husband and telling him I'm about to do this podcast with you. And I said, you know, we're talking about 20 somethings getting out of the house. He goes, we'll charge him rent. But I, I think that's how he grew up. It was like, well, they start to have to pay, and feel and <laughs> like there's a certain generation that that's just a no brainer. Like, if you're going to live here, you gotta you gotta pitch in. Um, well,
0: but, I, but let me say one other piece about that. You know, like I wanna I wanna make sure that people understand that that's not a um, hard and true fact. Like, I I remember I talked to a parent recently who was saying, you know, her husband really wanted her to charge her adult child rent, and she didn't want to, partly because, and he was working, and so, um, because he was saving money to buy a house, so, like, there are ways in which, so that they had to work that out, the husband and wife needed to work out how they were going to think about it with respect to that adult child who was living at home, but had a goal, you know, I think that there, you have to remember that there are hairs to split here when you're making decisions like this.
1: I didn't even think about that where you have a couple, a mom and a dad who might differ on opinion. Um, what do you do if your opinion about how to handle the situation differs with the spouse? And then there seems to be a divide in the household and a child takes sides. I mean, how, how do you navigate that issue? Oh, gosh. I mean, I think that's more the
0: the that's more common than the exception. Um, it is often the case if they get to me. Right. Like so if they've this is not like my, you know, my kids' friends calling me up for advice. This is somebody who's coming to my office. It is more common than not that part of the problem is that parents aren't on the same page, because when parents on the, aren't on the same page, it's just the same as when it was your three-year-old who said, uh, "Mommy said I have to turn off the TV and dad, dad, and then go to daddy and see if daddy will let me turn it back on." it you know that that those because it's normal for kids to try to get their needs met and they want what they want and so if mom says you have to pay rent but dad says no I'm going to go to dad and plead my case so we need so I'm not not, and I'm not actually trying to say that I think that kids are manipulative but they're just trying to get their needs met and so if they know that they've got a a friendly ear with one parent versus the other they're going to go to that parent instead so the job is and and my opinion doesn't matter, right? Like my opinion is my opinion and I'll give my opinion to the parents. But the important thing is that parents get on the same page and it almost doesn't matter what that page is. Like in psychology, we'll say um, in this kind of family therapy, we'll say, "You you don't have to just be on the same page. It has to be the same book, the same page, the same paragraph down to the same word. Because when your kid is struggling, if you're not on the same word, that kid, that kid's either problems or that kid will find their, their, they'll worm their way around until it splits you. And then the problem wins and you don't win. And so we really try to help parents get on the same page about how they wanna manage these problems. And that is often a big part of the work. I
1: know you said that there was, there wasn't something that parents did wrong. There's no, they didn't cause their child to, uh, want to stay home. And and this wasn't something that they did wrong in in childhood, but is there something that parents can do in high school to lay the groundwork, the expectations or, um, talk to kids earlier on about, you know, Hey, I I can only imagine that you get into that moment of happy graduation. Okay. Now, what are you going to do? Is that too late? Like, is there something that we can do when they're in high school? Totally. You know, I, um,
0: and this is something that I wish that I had understood more about because I think about this as I said to you when we were talking before we started, both as a psychologist, but also as a parent myself, and thinking about the cultural differences and the and the generational differences in how we raised our kids. Um, you know, I think that again, I referenced our own parents where it was, you know, suck it up and get over it, you know, like, or we left in the morning and we didn't come back at night and our parents didn't know what was going on. And I think for some of us in reaction to that, we've been very involved in our kids' lives. And I think that as I look back, there's actually more research coming out now. Um, There's a really great, there's a psychologist by the name of Ellie Leibovitz, who's at Yale, who uh, does a lot of research on accommodation um, and so there are some kids with anxiety that parents end up accommodating for their anxiety, meaning well-meaning, loving, caring parents who have the best of intentions, who end up doing things to help the kid escape the thing that they're anxious about. So I don't want to talk to adults. The parent talks for them. I'm, I left my homework at, at home. The parent brings the homework in. Look, I, I did that stuff. Um, and I, I think that as I watch the, the um, generation of children coming up, the other thing that I think that my, my generation didn't understand when we were raising our kids is the impact of the internet and the impact of tel- having telephones. Because again, if I was doing something when I was in my twenties and I was struggling, if I was gonna call my mother, I had to go stand in a payphone on in a hallway with a bunch of other people listening, right? Like I could not just sit in my room and text her or I couldn't call her you know, from any time I had a problem. And I think that what that has done is it has um, not allowed our kids to have that time where they struggle and figure things out on their own. And so this research by Ellie Leibovitz has really impacted me as I think about people who have kids your kid's age, or thinking about you know sort of my own children. And some of the things that I think as parents, we can do is wait 15 minutes to call our kid back. You know, like just as simple as that. I had a parent that I worked with where we literally had to set a timer because it's, it feels like now that you have the opportunity to call your mother or to answer back to your kid that you're supposed to do it because it's the parent's job. And I think understanding that allowing your kid to have a little bit of struggle before you intervene or before you respond actually helps them rather than feeling like it means you're, you're leaving them out to dry. So I think that thinking about, and I think the other thing that I learned from Ellie Leibovitz, I've taken some of his courses and read some of his books, is this notion of saying to kids, yeah, that's really hard and you can do it. You know, yeah, that's really hard. And so not, you know, there's this notion of what they call snow plowing. Like, you know, par- people talk about helicopter parents. I don't like that term because it sounds so sort of negative. And I think again, these are loving, caring, devoted parents who are trying to do the best for their kids. But if you snowplow, if you get out in front of your kid, in in Canada they call it curling. Parents, so curling is that sport where the where they uh, they're on ice and there's somebody in the front sweeping to like clear the path so that the. The, uh, I don't even know what you call it, the stone can move more quickly. But if we're doing that for our kids, when they're five, 10, 15, like not allowing them to struggle, not allowing them to have um, opportunities to, to sort of figure things out on their own, of course, when they become 20 somethings, they're going to have a hard time.
1: So I, I hope that answered your question. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it brings up such a great point, because, um, you know, at my husband's job; he is in charge of hiring. He has told me that there have been candidates that come through, and they can't look him in the eye because they're just better on the computer and they're better texting. And they've questioned, "Do we hire this person?" And then another point, my mom is a high school was a high school teacher. She said that a boy they had to leave their cell phones at the door, and the kid started getting upset because he said well my mom what if my mom tries to get a hold of me and she said why would your mom try and get a hold of you in the middle of art class yeah. and so <laughs> to her it didn't make any sense you know why why are you worried about your mom getting a hold of you she can call you later so you be- bring up a great point where it's it's you know as parents we have to monitor that they are able to function in society to be able to get these jobs and and to fully become an adult with responsibilities and interact with with other people in sales jobs, any job, any job, really. Um, In general, I mean, you've brought up some great authors and, and some great resources. If parents feel like they're struggling or starting to see that struggle, where should they turn? Yeah. Well, I have two
0: resources that I want to put out. One is Mark McConville, Dr. Mark McConville, who is a psychologist here in Cleveland, recently wrote a book Oh, dang, I had it. I must have been looking at it before. Uh, to, uh, here it is, wait, uh, which is called Failure to Launch, okay? And it's a, it's a fantastic book that has vignettes and sort of uh, real life examples that help parents understand what their kid might be experiencing. So I highly recommend that um, as a resource for parents. And then sort of finding someone who, if if you really feel like you've tried some of the things that, that we've talked about and you really feel stuck or you just need a consultation. I mean, sometimes I think parents are worried about going to see a therapist, but I really, I think about it more as parent coaching rather than I, than I think about family therapy because family therapy suggests there's something wrong with your family. And I think of this as, sort of being a parent coach to help you figure out what you might be able to do to to do things a little bit differently, um, to be able to help your kid function in the best possible way. So finding a therapist, we actually are starting a group for parents of adult kids um, uh, in the next two weeks, exactly for this reason, like so that there are other parents to talk to, we can teach you skills and really help you um, think about First of all, that you're not alone. And second of all, what, what do you do? Because sometimes if you've got a kid who's particularly um, resistant, it can be hard because you feel like you're doing all the work and they're not interested. And so part of the, our job as therapists with parents is to help you figure out how to get them more interested in the process of change. So
1: I think those are two, two ideas. Great. All right, Dr. Lucine. Wisniewski, thank you so much for all this great information. It's really helpful for, for parents of kids all ages, really, to start to think about this. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Great to be here. And thank you for listening to the Mom Squad Pod. We will see you right back here next time. Thanks for listening to Mom Squad Pod with Maureen Kyle from WKYC Studios. Subscribe now so you never miss an update. And find more on everything you heard here on WKYC.com and on the WKYC app.